of Rare Disease and Medical Challenges podcast. The mission of our podcast is to support you, our listeners, and to create community as you confront the toughest challenges in life. All of us will experience health hardships. The real question is, how do we adapt? That's the focus of It Happened to Me. We help you overcome limitations and live a full and satisfying life. Drawing on their own health challenges, hosts Kathy Gillenhorn and Beth Glassman interview guests who share stories and research to help you succeed in the face of difficult health obstacles. It happened to me. I'm not alone, and neither are you. This episode of It Happened to Me has been split into two parts due to the length of the interview. Part one follows. Today, our guests are Bonnie and Will Alms. Bonnie and Will's son, Everett, has been diagnosed with Bardet-Beetle syndrome. This syndrome is an extremely rare genetic syndrome. People may suffer symptoms that include retinal degeneration, obesity, reduced kidney function, extra digits of the hands or feet, as well as many other manifestations. Thank you for joining us today on It Happened to Me and sharing your story. Thank you uh, so well, much for having us. Sorry. Yes. Oh, um, we're absolutely. thrilled you're here. We're thrilled you're here. So let's start at the beginning. <laughs> what is BBS? Oh, it's, well, it's a silliopathy. So um, I don't know if, if um, so cilia are uh, part of what, dictate where a cell goes and how it functions. And uh, so unfortunately it affects every system in the body head to toe. Uh, uh, You could have epilepsy. Our son has epilepsy. He has, he, two little holes in his brain, but those we recently found out aren't the source of his epilepsy. But anyway, um, Epilepsy, vision, uh, uh, malformed lungs or malformations anywhere and everywhere, uh, kidney function, cardiac, uh, malformations, everything, uh, liver, uh, fibrosis, um, uh, hypotonicity, like they don't have much body tone mm-hmm. and then um, the stomach <laughs> hyperphagia, hyperphagia. They're just, they're constantly hungry. Um, think of the hungriest you've ever been in your life and where you just are like, okay, I've, I've thought of this, like when I was driving home one day and I don't, didn't get a chance to eat lunch at work or, or really even drink much. And I'm just like, okay, when I go, I'm going to eat this and I'm going to eat this and I'm going to eat this and I'm going to eat this. And of course you don't eat all those things. Um, but somebody with hyperphagia is going to try to eat all those things and then their <laughs> stomach's going to hurt, but they're still going to be hungry and they're going to still keep eating, even though it hurts to eat. Right. Um, oh. They never get full oh ever. And then oh. the body is in this state of starvation where it's like, it, it takes all the nutrients that it's absorbing and immediately deposits it. So they because it's like, I'm never going to see food again. So I'm going to hold on to this and put it right here where I can get at it easily. So they do have a disproportionate, even though they can have morbid obesity, um, 
it can be uh, disproportionate around the abdomen and thighs, uh, just where the liver's like, hey, I'm going to keep this handy. Because physically, they they are um, in a state of starvation and, and yeah. always depositing. So any kind of nutrients, I mean, it just turns into fat right away. Yeah. Um, so it's very similar to Prater Willie. I don't know if your listeners know of Prater Willie, but it's very similar to that. Yeah, it's, um, that's a much more common mm-hmm. um, disorder. That's the disorder I thought of when I started researching and even in grad school when I was learning about this disorder. I was like, wow, this has a lot of similarities to Prater Willie, which yeah. is also, is that still considered a rare disease? Like in my world, it's more common, but. I don't know. I, I've, it's, it's still like one considered in a rare disease. Kids. It's it's a yeah. little bit more common. It is more common. Yeah. Um, and, and running rare disease, I mean, it runs the gamut, right? I mean, to, how, how do you find, where do you stop calling something rare? Um, you know, for us, I think they did, um, the calculation is 2,500 people affected with Bardet-Beetle syndrome in the United States. I see it, it but, all over. Yeah, yeah, but it's, you know, that's, you're only as good as, as uh, how many people you know How of. people right. report. Yes, right. how yeah. many exactly. people would self-report. We exactly. I think there's a lot of people out there that have BBS and don't know it, especially people who are over the age of probably 40. And not to mention, it's probably underdiagnosed, right? Yeah, um, I'm sure that's true. You know, you know, when we got diagnosed, I mean, we were going, we were seeing a geneticist um, out of uh, University of Minnesota and we didn't catch it. They didn't catch it until he was five years old, right? Mm-hmm. So arguably a, a really great healthcare system. Yeah, um, yeah in and, a major metropolitan area and, and yeah. they didn't catch it, but. Well, and she, I was going to had... ask you, I was mm-hmm. going to ask you. So if we go on your journey with mm-hmm. your son, so during your pregnancy, was there an abnormality that was seen yeah. at that point in time? Yes. Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh, and, and what did your OB say? Well, that 20 week ultrasound that everyone gets. Yeah. They said, Oh, his kidneys are kind of bright. And I'm like, oh, right. what does that oh. mean? Uh-huh. That just, they, they don't want to scare you. So they say, oh, sure. it, just, it just means it's probably nothing, but we'll just have you follow up with a perinatologist just to rule it out that everything's fine. Uh-huh. And, um, and so, so you followed up. We did. And there was an appointment scheduled for us with a genetic counselor immediately after the appointment. And I said, why? And they said, well, just in case. I'm like, just in case uh-huh. what? Of what? Yeah. Right. yeah. And they, just in case something were to be found out, then you can talk with somebody right away who knows yes. things. So uh, we went to that appointment. It was a couple of weeks later. Yeah, I was going to say, was that uh, 22 weeks? 20... I don't know if it was 22 or tw- I don't remember exactly. Right. I know the date. Right. We know the date because we celebrate uh-huh. it March 1st every year. <laughs> uh, it's coming up. Yes. Um, yes, it is. So on March 1st, 2006, uh, we went in for that uh, ultrasound that we were going to be just ruling out anything. And, uh, she's said, let's just take a quick, um, 
sample of the amniotic fluid, but she's like, really, it's already too late to have an abortion in Minnesota. I can offer oh you. Oh my goodness. To go she to said another that to state you right then at that yeah. appointment. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh my. Just yeah. like that. Oh right. my. Not prepping oh. us. Right. Um, oh my. And she said, honest, I, we, why, why, why would we do that? We right. tried so hard to yeah. get pregnant. Right. Yeah. And, and she said, this baby will never see a year. <gasps> it may not see 30 minutes. Oh. And, then, and this was oh the genetic counselor, or the OB? No, this no, is no. the perinatologist. Perinatologist. Okay. Yeah. Right. And we said, well, we'll hold our baby in our arms for 30 minutes then. Oh. And what um, they had seen was, uh, or what they explained was the, the kidneys being hyperechoic. Um, so that's then- the brightness. Hyperechoic means hyper echoic. Yeah. So like when they send the sound waves through in the ultrasound, they bounced back. So meaning there's more density. Uh, so kidneys aren't supposed to be so dense. And so they thought those, that denseness was cysts. And so they were thinking immediately that he had, um, intra or prenatally diagnosed polycystic kidney disease, which when you're diagnosed as a child, you probably have a shorter lifespan diagnosed as an adult. It probably, you know, you're going to, your lifespan is going to be normal. But my understanding was if it's diagnosed prenatally, you're, um, you don't have good odds. So when the amniotic fluid came back, what did they tell you? They told us he didn't have three different, um, three different disorders. So, cause that's all they could test for at that point. Is they, they called it a fish, I think you would, uh, yeah, I know that. Yeah, so than... fish is kind of where they take a, the way I explain it to patients is um, kind of like, you know, with glow sticks, how that, you know, glows mm-hmm. in the dark. So it's kind of a, in my mind, similar to using like glow in the dark paint that you throw on the chromosomes um, or the, the DNA, the cells and see, okay, how many are lighting up so you can count is something present, not there. Um, so yeah, it makes sense that they were testing for the disorders that they were on their mind on their differential diagnosis that they were suspicious for at the time. Yeah. So pretty and much. So they what were, did they think? Um, well, they, we didn't know the results until after, I mean, it was, a, it, it was a couple, I don't remember how long or, it was after I think it that. Was days, right? Right. That we would have known. Yeah, that. I mean, I don't know, it was yeah. days or a week or whatever. But um, right. so we left that appointment. We talked with the genetic counselor. I don't even remember what we talked about. Um, be, other than it's so, the, what the other things that they found on the um on the ultrasound was that he had extra digits on his hands and feet. And so that means these, extra fingers and yep, extra yep, toes. Yeah. Yep. So he uh-huh. had um. <laughs> his his extra finger was just the last part of like a pinky and it had a nail and a bone and everything in it except it was only attached by like cartilage or something it I don't know how I was always terrified that when I was putting on his like his arm through a sleeve I was going to tear it off or I'd wake up some morning and it would be twisted and just come off. I don't know. Right. It wasn't working. It It, was just kind of, yeah, he couldn't control it. It 
I see. Right. But right. like his extra toes on his feet were fantastic. <laughs> they, it was a fully functioning extra toe. So like the knuckle, so imagine your pinky knuckle being two heads, uh-huh. having like a double knuckle head. And then the bone for that be that metatarsal being extra wide. Um, and, and so then he had two pinky toes essentially. And, um, I don't know, it was great. People would, he was a summer baby. He was born in June. So we'd be at the grocery store and I wouldn't have socks on him and people would do the double take of that's a lot of toes, right. <laughs> you yeah. know? But, but um, did they give you any sort of diagnosis? No, nothing. No, no, absolutely no not. diagnosis. No, but just, there was something wrong. They right. told yes. you there was definitely, definitely something, wrong. something wrong. And some abnormality. Not, mm-hmm. We didn't and, know how long he was going to live. Right. Right. And how, how did you cope with that? Well, hearing uh, that news, the two of you yeah. definitely seem bonded. And, and I, I feel that you two are really supportive of each other, but you're facing a life tragedy. How did you handle that? Oh, well, um, he and I are opposites. That's why we, we fit so well together. Uh, (laughs) Um, She's more the the scientist and I'm more the artist. He's the artist. Yeah. Fit together that way. Yeah. Um, Uh, So we went to uh, a we found a grief counselor, a reproductive, oh. a counselor who specializes in, or specializes, yeah, specializes in reproductive grief. So oh. wow, parents who lose What a babies. great idea. Uh-huh. Oh yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. it, it was, she was amazing. Oh. She was amazing. And so parents who um, lose babies um, or- um, have like this situation where we don't know if our baby is going to live or not. Um, well, we were still grieving. We were even, still grieving. Yeah, of born, course. Right? Yeah. Cause it, we yes. didn't, yeah, we didn't know. We, we had no idea. And, and at this point, you know, we were in the process of setting up or mostly done setting up his nursery and, yes. um, people had baby showers set up for us and bill just wanted to cancel them all. And my mom's like, Oh no, (laughs) I have people coming from all over, you know, to celebrate me having a a grandbaby. I'm the late in life accident. So she is so excited to, um, I have older brothers that are 11 and 13 years older than me. So actually my niece, I have nieces and nephews that are just a couple of years younger than me. Yes. <laughs> and yeah. she has a great grandchild that is a, less than a year younger than Everett. So, but she was so excited to like have a grandbaby again, you know, to be grandma again. And yes, yeah, so she absolutely wouldn't cancel. And, and we didn't really know how to deal with that either. Like what you're supposed to be happy at a baby shower, not not tearful. Well, we did. You especially celebrated. I it. did. Yes. Yes. I well, I always, um, uh, I always hang on to the positive. There's a, no matter what in life, uh, there's always something yes. positive. And so I had a 
a t-shirt that's where you are you are so strong and have such fortitude well you have to you you have no choice people say that they're like oh my gosh how do you deal with that it's like well you you do just because you have to is how you deal with it and sometimes you don't deal with it sometimes you just break down and cry and sit in a corner and that's just how it is but yeah. Yeah. So plus I think but the good family lot. support. It sounds like tremendous family support. Yeah, we really Indeed. did. Yeah. Um and and you were very emotionally strong. And I think part of that is you're also carrying uh Everett, right? Yes. A baby, yeah, I had I, I had my baby. <laughs> the the emotions, you know, if if you let that right, uh, you don't want to I didn't want to be sad and right and have that affect my child somehow. I have no idea how all that works. So I I didn't want to take the chance, you know, just in the same way that I like, I had a little, I'm, um, I'm very particular. So in the same way that I had a little, uh, I had a little book I carried around with me to make sure that I had like all my, I had at least one fruit and, um, I had this, you know, all my servings of fruits and vegetables every day. And then something had to be a different color. Something had to be raw. You know, I have to check my boxes every day and I'd have to walk, you know, this far, this, you know, every day and just to make sure I was doing everything I was supposed to be you doing. You did everything right. You did everything um, right. So, yeah. um, tried tried yeah yeah but so i had this t-shirt that said just kicking and it just had you know like two baby feet and so we took out a marker and just drew on extra toes and you know just did little things like that to celebrate um our baby and his uniqueness and then we corrected people too you know as as long as the baby's normal right people always say as long as the baby has 10 fingers and 10 toes and i'd say well doesn't what if he doesn't (laughs) You're still right. going to love them. Right. Or they yes. say, well, as long as the baby's healthy. Well, really? Then you're not going to love him if he's not healthy? No, you're yeah. going to love that baby. Healthy or not. That is you know? such a good point that I hear from yes. patients over and over because that's just something people say, really. One of those things yeah. we've heard our parents say. and Right. Really. And I, I really want to be part of rewriting that quote yeah. and just mm. saying, like, I don't know what would be to replace it, right, right, right. but right. to just take that out of our our language, really, yeah. to say, like, right. you know, like, I hope that, you know, your your pregnancy symptoms are minimal or something like that. Like, oh, I hope right. nausea is okay or something yeah. that's a little bit more, like, maybe focused on that pregnant person or something. I don't know. Yeah. I'm kind of brainstorming in the moment. But well, what's, so what's... Go ahead, Will. Go ahead. Nope, go ahead. Oh, I was... I was just going to ask, so fast forwarding a little bit. So mm. obviously Everett was born, you brought him <laughs> home. And so he lived, so he lived spoiler <laughs> alert. Fantastic. Uh, oh, so, so I, I will say that, um, I think it was the following year that we said, oh, it's March 1st. And oh. that, and we're like, well, now it's been, you know, he hasn't made it to a year yet, but so we started celebrating March 1st as, I don't know if it's okay to say, but screw stupid doctor day. Uh-huh. So no, you uh, can say that. Okay. <laughs> yep. yeah, and it's totally. not that doctors are stupid, but right. in this case, you know, they were being overly cautious and we almost lost our baby because of it. So, um, so we and celebrate. It's a lesson to healthcare providers listening yes. because we do have a lot of them that don't 
say or quote numbers that are not backed by recent data or that you really mm. feel comfortable with. Right. I mean, we see this a lot for even more common conditions like trisomy 13, trisomy right. 18, that right. you know, people say, oh, this is a lethal condition. It's a life-limiting condition. It's not lethal. Right. So, right. you know, it's right. it's things like, yes, there's a much higher chance for a lot of, you know, negative outcomes. But yeah, it's like I I wish that people would step back because as a genetic counselor, when a patient asks me a question and I don't know the answer, do you know how many times I say, I don't know, let me do some research and get back to you? Yeah. That is like I right. should have a button in my office because I yeah. see it so right. often. And you know, it's like to say something that's that detrimental to even just your mental health at the time is just it's 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 just very heart wrenching to hear that you you had to hear that. I think that Everett, with these two parents, had the best shot in life. <laughs> I, there's no way he was given up. Right. Oh Without no, your vibe. Absolutely. There's he was no not, way. No. I he often say, right. I often say survive. that, that thank God, Bonnie is Everett's mom. Yes. Right. I was thinking uh, the same thing. I oh. mean, she is, she's in the field, right? She, she works yes. with doctors. She works with providers and a lot of the things um, I can point to a dozen things uh, of where she didn't take what the doctor said at face value. Um, where I think a lot of uh, people I'm like sorry, me I'm probably taking out would. a hanky. I'm taking out a hanky. This is a hanky moment. Uh, <laughs> I really, I really believe that you two are just mar, just marvelous. I'm oh, sorry to well, interrupt, but I'm, I'm oh, no, filling up with I, tears. You know, it's. I think a lot of people, a lot of lay people like me, need to understand that that you know what, doctors will say certain things, but they don't know everything. And and to, to your point, Kira, um, you know, the, uh, I don't know, to your point about um, never give up, never giving up. Yeah. Never well, in questioning, I, I, yep. I question. And um, I, it's the same thing. That's part of my personality, though, too, is what are your resources? What are your references? <laughs> Show me your references. Show me the data. Show, Show me, me the data. data. Right? Yeah. Yes. And if that paper yeah. was published in 95, you're like, is there a more recent paper? Sometimes exactly. there's not if it's really rare, but. Right. Um, and also that when I'm talking to patients, I can say, well, here's, here's some scientific information, right? Like this is what I've been able to learn. But in most cases, if it's, if it's rare, if it's kind of, you know, not down syndrome or something, mm -hmm. I have not met a person that has this condition. Right. So I'm coming from it, from the medical terminology, the science, you know, what we're looking at screening testing, but something that I always make sure to include is I have never had this condition. I, you know, even for me, it's very relevant. I tell patients I've never been pregnant before. So there's only so much that I can relate to. Um, and that it's it's so much it's so important to hear from a patient advocate either that has the condition or is a caretaker for for someone that has a condition like you guys as parents. Um, and there's been times where patients say, "Well, can I talk to one?" And so then I do my networking and find someone because yes. I I can I can answer like what I learned in grad school right for BBS, but I can't speak to the daily life. I can you know so you know in the future I'm sure I'm gonna be like, "Hey guys, do you mind you know would you be open to talking to these patients because." You're, yes. you're the experts on the condition. I'm expert on yes. general genetics, but I can't speak to this, right? And I well, think that's where healthcare providers need to understand the limitations there, but also for patients to ask, 
can you connect me with someone that has this disorder? Help me find someone. I yeah. love when patients ask me that. It's so important. I can't give them I that information. I think it's so much more than just the science. There's so much yeah. in, it in yeah. terms of right. just grasping the lifestyle of living it. Yeah. And, oh my gosh. So many a- stories I want to tell you right now, but I have to try to think in chronological order. So I'll, I'll try to ab- abbreviate it. Um, so we were told by the genetic counselor on, in our journey of trying to figure out what he has. He has something. We just don't know what, and we're climbing through family trees on right. both sides, trying to find oh. any relative with um, extra fingers or toes, any relative with uh, kidney dis- issues or dysfunction, um, and can't find anyone. And um, <laughs> this was the geneticist at university. Yeah, that the U of M. And she was fantastic. She still is fantastic. Um, and uh, so her theory was that it's just something that probably is so rare that it isn't a syndrome yet, or it's a syndrome oh. that doesn't matter because it doesn't have anything horrible associated with it. So, you know, let's just live life and see. Right. And that's how, that's how we felt. Let's, let's just live life and see. So, right. you know, we, took every but through that day is, week month right year yeah. as it was and celebrated each and every part of it and but through all that i think there was a lot of um well what's next right mm-hmm. different things cropped up yeah right? he had a he had a a, a very traumatic seizure at, at 20 months. months old oh my um where he he died was, yeah he was lifeless. he was pulseless breathless blue oh, no. bottled I was laying in bed next to him thank God um we had just moved into well not just but we we, oh, built, like we built a, a home months. this is the home that we're mm-hmm. uh, living in right now um and so we didn't feel like we should set up a crib so we just threw a twin mattress on the floor in the corner uh-huh. and then I would like sleep on the side and when he was sick, so he had fevers and, um, and whenever it does anything, it's either enormous or not at all. Go big or go. Uh-huh. Yeah. So if he gets a fever, uh-huh. he's going for 104, 105. He doesn't mess around with this 101, 102 business. <laughs> he goes big or he goes nothing. And when this kid had a seizure, he went big. Yeah. <laughs> oh my. And I'm standing there holding him. He's dead. I'm crying. I'm sobbing so hard. Bill's on the phone with 911. Oh, no. I'm just, again, this my hairs like are standing up. This is, yeah. Yeah, that's right. Because dead of winter was a very yeah. snowy and Yep, cold. it was February. And um, you had come home. He was sick, so you gave him a neb while I was sleeping next to him. And after you went to go lay yeah. down, go to sleep in our bed, Siri, don't be calm. <laughs> and um, so you had gone to lay down in our bed and um and then all about 20 minutes after that he just started bouncing i mean he was bouncing oh. off the bed uh, oh. so hard i mean so high he was bouncing a foot off the bed and um and then after that stopped is you know this when he was like his face was all blue and veiny and mottled and his whole then his whole body went blue and so i'm holding him screaming crying 
Bill's on the phone with 911. Yeah. Um, I'm thinking in the back of my mind, I mean, she's again in the business. I mean, she's... I'm a hospital pharmacist. Right. So I have my doctorate in pharmacy. Uh, and I, I'm on the code team right. at yeah. a level one trauma center. At, oh my we're a stroke center, burn magnet burn center. I'm, uh, we were the first hospital to be a pediatric trauma center, even before children's. Um, wow. So, you we, know, more than the average parent while this yeah. is happening. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Is so, there medication that you can give for a seizure? Yes, there, there, there is, is a rescue med. but mm-hmm. he had never had, but he had never seizures had. or anything before. Right. right. So, so we you didn't, didn't have, have access anything. to anything. Course, right. No. And I'm hearing no. 911. I'm, you know, explaining that he's having, you know, they're, they're kind of figuring out that it's a, a seizure and yeah. um, just to kind of keep him safe, but they weren't giving, I mean, I, he was turning, he was, he was dead. Blue. He was not, I breathing. was holding him like this oh. and he was dead. He was, and, and Bill just looks at me and says, can't you do something? Or can yeah. you, or, aren't you on, <laughs> aren't you on that code team? Is it, right. isn't there uh-huh. something you can do? And then just like that, I switched from being mom. freaked out mom to healthcare yes. provider. Like, yes, yeah. I can do something. Okay, heart stops beating. With the only reason babies or children, um, when their heart stops, it's because they've stopped breathing. So, yes. what stopped his breathing? Secretions in the case of seizures. So now I know. I mean, this all happened in like a second, but sure. so now now I know he's got so many secretions in his mouth that it's blocking his airway. So he stopped breathing. Therefore his heart stopped beating. So I open, this isn't the way you're supposed to do it now, but I knew what was the cause. So I opened his mouth and just sort of pulled out with my hands as many, as much mucus as I could. And then I flipped him over onto my lap and I just pounded his back a few times, give him a few good whacks to get whatever was there out, sort of like at an angle. And then I flipped him back. And, uh, I gave him a breath to push whatever was there down. And then okay. on my first compression, boom, he just turned red. <gasps> All the color came back. Oh my goodness. And, oh my gosh. And, um, <laughs> and, and then he started crying and it was the happiest oh, and scariest oh my moment of my entire life. Oh my um, oh, and I was, uh, yeah, <laughs> sorry. And oh that's my beautiful goodness. That's just story, an though, that you experience. could switch hats like that, and it made such it a was difference. Just like that, I, I I was doing nothing. I was standing there hysterically crying and sobbing. Oh, and it just took Bill to say, "You Do know something. how to fix this. Yeah. Do something. Do it. Yeah, Do I did. Something. I didn't realize it. You did it. You did it. Good for um, you." You. you guys are so, an amazing team. Really, you yeah. need each other so much because you needed that push and you had the just the wherewithal and the knowledge to get it done in an instant. I mean, it's just pretty remarkable that um, his one clause could make the difference in your action that could make the difference in Everett's life. Yeah. Congratulations. Yeah. So I guess maybe you. I Thank saved you. his life Thank twice you. now. Really? 
<laughs> he owes me at least a massage, uh, a foot massage. Foot massage. Right? He's a good massager. He is a tremendous massager. What other yeah. symptoms? What other symptoms mm. has Everett experienced? So oh, everything. Seizures. Um, yep. He's had. So yeah, he has epilepsy. We were uh, in epilepsy. the hospital quite a bit yeah. when he was young. We used to say that we winter at children's. Right. Because oh. we would be there oh. days on end, oh, even weeks. weeks. Right. And actually, um, uh, we think that the seizure he had was because we had only been out of the hospital for like seven or 10 days. And so he probably had an hospital acquired meningitis of some sort, whether it was oh. viral or bacterial. Uh, oh that caused goodness. that seizure. Uh, he, it wasn't be, it wasn't a febrile seizure. You don't have febrile uh, seizures like that. That was <laughs> right. That so he was would different. He would get RSV a lot. Yeah, and I then see. he had uh, malformations in his lungs. Yeah, so his bronchioles were all malformed. Instead of having like three smooth, you know, one going to each lobe of the lung, he had five, and they were all kind of twisted and tangled. And we didn't know this until later, but. Um, but all he needed was one little gob of mucus to plug one of those tangled and he'd collapse along. Right. So is that common for BBS? Like for the symptoms that he has, are they, are they fairly textbook, especially I'm thinking students listening, studying for boards and, you know, thinking of Everett when they're taking their exam. Well, one of the ways they discovered BBS. And when I say they, I mean, Nico Katsanis and Phil Beals. (laughs) Uh, they, um, they found that a number of patients had, uh, switched, uh, I don't know what it's called. Like what it's, um, like when, it, when the organs, develop. the organs are like, Oh, mirror image sinus yeah. invertus. Is that it? Something I, like that. That sounds right. Like your heart but, is on the different side. Yes. And it's, it's yes. like exactly. Yes. But mirror imaged, yeah. So, and that is a that's caused by cilia. That's a cilia um, caused disorder. Um, and and I don't know that that's particularly common in BBS, but apparently they had seen it enough that it led them to start thinking cilia. And these are uh, human geneticists uh, doing their postdocs, mm-hmm. and they still are. Uh, finding new he phil beals is the uk uh a f- person who knows the most about bbs and nico katsanis has done so much research and his team has done so much for bbs mm-hmm. i mean they're the guys who figured it out who mm-hmm. found the first gene Identified the gene the and we were gene. at a conference at duke whenever it was five uh and they at that conference um they took Took a skin sample. Um, skin samples. Yeah, they sure. punched punch biopsies mm-hmm. of everybody. And in the time we were there, in less than 24 hours from the time they took the punch biopsy to the Saturday afternoon, um, they had discovered nine or 12 new genes. New genes, right. Wow. In less than 24 hours. So what hmm. is that however it was then diagnosed? Oh, we had so he was diagnosed actually um when he so going back to chronological so he had that epilepsy deal. 
Um, he was always hungry, always, I mean, so many things about him that were just unique and that were just him. And, uh, but we did always have to work very hard to keep his weight down. Um, he would eat a full meal and and after that full meal, we would be like, I want a snack. Yeah. He just ate. Is this at what age was he? A young, like, like three, four years old. Like he, he Oh, really? Yeah. Like it was always, you know, when they teach children sign language in daycare, you know, um, because it's easier. Yeah. He would always do this. More, 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 more inside. Yeah. Yep. It was always muh, muh. Um, He always wanted more. And so even from then, even before he could talk really. Great appetite. Yeah. How old is he now? He's 16, almost 17. Yeah, he'll be 17. What's his quality of life now? That's amazing. Uh, He's made it to 16 or 17. Yeah. What's his quality of life? His quality of life in terms of the hunger really changed um, when he was 12 years old. 12 years, right? Yeah. Um, He started taking taking part in a, a... a trial free trial um he was patient one on a patient zero zero one because mom hounded the doctor uh why is that not surprising (laughs) why is that not right right exactly mom's just kept calling him and texting him all the time being like hey dr haas when's phase three gonna start (laughs) he's like we have to finish phase two first um and uh, so, yeah, so when it was time for phase three, patient, Everett was patient 001, and it was- It was a double-blind study It was double-blinded. But we knew and that at what he point, was on And it. how much what did he weigh at that point? Was he um, obese well, at that point? He was, He's always he was always chubby because, again, we had, we worked so hard. We did. Like, yes. We went out to eat once a week, and- it would always blow waitresses' minds when this child would ask, instead of fries, can I get steamed vegetables? Right. <laughs> They'd be like, what? Yeah. Uh-huh. Right. Who's this freak kid? You know? I mean, uh-huh. well, parents are going to be asking you now, how how can I get my child that doesn't just, have CBS to be ordering that, right? Yeah. Right. You just don't let them be the parent. You know? Right. Y- you have, you can be the parent of your ch- child. That, so you just don't let them have the fries and you don't eat them either. Right. right. So, um, but uh, so he, he, so was put he on wasn't some kind of medication. To yeah, curb he, his so appetite? he was always chubby yeah. and, and, uh-huh. and chunky, but he was never, I mean, he was probably classified as obese, but he wasn't as Morbidly. obese he as wasn't obese, like these other kids that we, we right. see. And everyone's like, what do you do? How do you do it? And it's like, um, I don't know. We just make him not eat French fries. <laughs> I sent uh-huh. him to school with like sandwiches with hummus and, um, uh, whole grain sprouted bread. <laughs> you guys want him to get nutrition, but not with so many calories. And, right, right. you know, it's like the really thin bread. And so food became the focus of his, yes, his day. But he's right? got your strength because it sounds like he had the determination. He bought into it and he went, well, you know, never did he, ever yeah, he, I mean, he, he, tr- he would, <laughs> he was sneaky. Oh. <laughs> he, yeah. uh, um, I had, so he was allowed to um, pick from the school lunch menu uh, one. He could have school lunch once a week. So we'd um, 
Otherwise, let him pack a lunch. Yeah, yeah. So I sent, I sent lunch with him, and then he would just grab a milk, and he was instructed, and the school knew too that he could only have the low fat milk, um, no chocolate, no, um, no whole milk, and <laughs> so we would pull out the menu for that month, and he would pick what you know items he wanted what lunches he wanted. So I think I want the lasagna roll-ups or I want, you know, Italian dunkers or whatever they are, these things. So, um, okay, fine. So you can have um, lunch once a week at school. Uh, then one day he brought his lunch, I don't know, this maybe like third grade or something. He brought his lunch home and oddly, it wasn't entirely gone. There was a little bit of sandwich crust left and there was a little bit of fruit left and that was odd. Right. And then I was noticing wow, with because I was set up we on auto, auto pay, pay right. or like so it auto would deduct so whenever hit the, his school value so the kids paid with a four digit code so they were set up with an account. Um and then when it would get down to, it's like the I-pass, you know, so when it gets down to a certain level, you just, it auto pulls like $30 or $20 or whatever from your account to replenish. And then I was noticing that, well, there's been pulling a lot more than one oh. lunch a week and right, right. one oh. milk or yeah. two milks a day. Cause well, he had one at snack time and then one at lunch. And then we realized, cause he He's told us he's very honest. Lunches. Right. He yeah. was eating his lunch at snack time and then buying lunch. And then buying lunch. At, uh -huh. lunch at right. having school so he lunch. Would double. He would double. Yeah. Uh -huh. right. So he was eating so, two. End of part one of two. Thank you for listening to this episode of It Happened to Me. We encourage you to learn more at ithappentomepod.com. That's ithappentomepod.com. Please use the contact forum on our website to submit your guest suggestions, comments, questions, ideas, and feedback for the show. You can also email us directly at ithappentomepod at gmail.com. Again, that's ithappentomepod at gmail.com. We would also really appreciate it if you can leave us a five-star rating review on your podcast app, probably Apple or Spotify. This helps others in the rare disease and medical challenges community find us. It Happened to Me is created and hosted by Kathy Gillenhorn and Beth Glassman. Steve Holsenbach is our media engineer and co-producer. Myself, Kier Deneen from DNA Today, is our marketing lead and co-producer. Ashlyn Anokian is our graphic designer. And remember, it happened to me. I'm not alone and neither are you.